Rest your legs a minute. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You all okay? In, um, in spending time preparing for this this week, um, I have had a number of occasions where I have felt an like overwhelming weight of the love of God for us and the okay. <laughs> an, over, an overwhelming weight of the love of God and God spoke to me at the beginning of the week um, there's no we're not doing we're not, we've not, we're not working through like a talk series at the moment or anything like that so it's very much a talk about what God tells you to, to, to talk about and, and I heard God say at the beginning of the week to talk about his jealousy for us. And as the week's gone on, I've had a number of moments where the, just the, I've felt what must only be like a fraction of the weight of his divine love and his fiery jealousy for us. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, this, may, this may feel a little intense, and I'm not going to apologize for that, um, because I think that it's a fraction of the intensity of the jealousy and love of God for you and for, and for me. Uh, so, we, we're in a season... As a, as a church family where God is speaking to us a lot about encountering him and we are seeing an increase in his presence and, and in his glory filling this place. Do we, do, are we in agreement? That's what we're seeing. Great. Woo. Brilliant. And a key, there has been a key message that has just, it's uh, been repeating over and over and over um, around surrender and letting God be Lord of everything in our lives. And God's been speaking to us about the, the, like a moment of encounter as well as living out the fruit of the encounter in continued surrender. Surrender is not just a one time, one moment thing. It is a continuation every day, multiple times, multiple times a day. And the, the moment of encounter and, the, and the, um, the moment of surrender and the moment of encounter and the continuation of that encounter and surrender, it's not an either or, it is a, bo- it is a both and. 
and, and both are biblical. And uh, in 1 John 5, verse 20 to 21, it says, We know that the Son of God has made our understanding come alive so that we can know by experience that one who is true. And we are in him who is true. God's son, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. And then it ends with this. So little children, guard yourselves from worshipping anything but him. And We have, an, we have a number of different things, each one of us in our lives, that we worship and that we put on little pedestals, right? The Bible's quite um, strong and also just straightforward in terms of it being quite black and white in calling them idols. And these things that become so important to us that we that our, where our worship becomes divided where our minds become divided between worshiping god and worshiping the other thing and it can be a, it could be anything it could be I'll, I'll give you two of mine the one that the lord is is um <laughs> is working on in me at the moment uh, fear of man and perfectionism those are two idols that I have given my life to in a number of different ways that God is saying, I am jealous for you and the parts of you that you give to those things and I want you back to me. All of you for all of me, right? And we... We talk so much about how there must be more than this. We are a, we are a hungry people, right? Yeah. We are hungry. We are wanting more of God. And, and I heard God speak to me this week and say, I feel the same way. But I want more of you. He's saying... We're saying to him, God, we want more of you. And he's saying to us, me too. I want more of you. And he's inviting us into a, into a two-way moment, into a two-way relationship where he is saying to us, I, I want to give you more of me and I want more of you as well. The jealousy of God is not a, it's not like a, a, like a human jealousy where we are jealous of something or where we are jealous of what somebody else has. That God's not jealous of us. We, we have not got a single thing that God looks at and thinks, oh, I don't have that. I think I really need that. Like he doesn't, nothing. God is jealous for us. That jealousy is, is, Oh, we don't use this word very much nowadays, but it's zeal. It's like a, it's a fervor. It's a passion. It is a deep, holy love and desire for what, 
for what belongs to him. And we belong to him, right? We belong to him. He has bought us at a great price. And he's saying to us, I am jealous for you. I am so jealous for you. Will you give yourselves to me? And his jealousy for us is because he wants every inch of our heart connected to his. His jealousy for us is rooted in a desire to protect and to provide and to bless. And when we surrender everything to him and we love him passionately, this is, a, this is like a growing in. When we grow in surrender, when we continue to surrender everything to him, when we grow in loving him passionately, it provides a path for him to work in our lives. And God is not willing to to be a doormat to something else that is counterfeit taking his place in our lives. God is not willing to be a doormat to something else that is counterfeit that's taking place, uh, taking his place in our lives. And the thing is, is that we, we know we know up here, at least I think we do, I know, I, w- I won't be presumptuous, I know that God is all-sufficient, absolutely everything that we could possibly need, that we could ever possibly need is found in him. And we sing the songs and we truly believe it and we lean into it. We sing the songs, you have no rival, you have no equal. Because we know that there is no other God who can compare to God Almighty, right? Yeah? Yeah? We know it and yet there are, we, (laughs) we give little parts of ourselves that belong to God that are rightfully his, that he is so jealous for, that he is just like, I love you so deeply. Come to me and we give those little parts away. I'm just going to read this from uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 23 to 24. It says, Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make a carved image the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He has made covenant with us. Now, we're not, well, I don't know about you, but I'm not going around making up little carved images that I keep in my house. (laughs) Um, But I do go around um, giving my yes and surrendering to things that demand my worship, that where the worship is should be God's. So, take the idol of the fear of man, where I, I surrender 
my, my attention, my affection, the sense of my identity and who I am in pleasing other people, in making sure that everyone's happy, everyone's okay with me. And you know what? You always know when something is an idol in your life, when it is something that you are either jealous of or you're fearful of. I'll say that again. You always know what an idol in your life is if it's something you are fearful of or if it's something you are jealous of. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys have gone very quiet. I told you it might be a bit intense. Our worship, our praise, our honor, our adoration, it belongs to God alone because only he is the one who is truly worthy of it. And only he is the one who will take what we give him and make it into something beautiful. Only he can do that. And if you've got a Bible, I'd just love for you to turn to, uh, we're in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, verse 18, and we're going to be starting at verse 30, so I'll give you a minute. I'd say it's probably in like the first, first third of the Bible, 1 Kings 18, verse 30, and we're going to read from there to verse 39. And if you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screen as well. Uh, so just a little bit of a little bit of the backstory um, from this. So a prophet called Elijah, um, God has sent him to the to the king um, who was reigning at that time, who had um, who had. kind of taken the people of Israel, God's chosen people, away from worshipping him and had made like a whole load of false idols. One of the main like little gods was called Baal or Baal, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, And we are reading where there is basically Elijah calls a showdown between the prophets of Baal and Elijah, like on his own, it's literally like 500 to one. And they gather on a, like on a hillside on a mountain. And Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you set up your altar and you pray to your God and I will do the same to to mine. And the one who answers by fire, we will know that he is the one true God. And so they're like, great. So the you can, in your own time, kind of read back a little bit in, uh, in chapter 18 where the prophets of Baal just spend hours and hours. I mean, if you ever needed an, a graphic depiction of what it is like to not live in the lazy river <laughs> and be striving and striving and striving, you just need to read that because they, they shout, they cry out, they, they self-harm, they just, they, you know, everything that they possibly could to get their God to answer them, and of course nothing happens. So we're picking it up from verse 30. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the, t- with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench round it, large enough to hold two spheres of seed. That's like about 11 kilos. <laughs> uh, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. And at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, so down on their faces, and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I find it fascinating. There's, there's so much that you can pull out of this. But I find it fascinating that what was put on the altar to surrender and give to God as rightfully belonging to him had other things put on it that in the natural realm should have caused the sacrifice to not be received. Does that make sense? Because you, in the natural realm, you can't light water on fire. Yeah? I mean, like, even, like, we, we got a, a delivery of logs. We've got, a, like, an open fire in our lounge at home, and we got a delivery of logs the other week, and I was so excited. I love a fire. And set it all up and um, lit the fire, and within about 10 minutes, it had just completely died. And I realized it's because the logs are damp. Like, the fire was just like, nope. I'm not burning, not while there's water in the, in the wood. Like, it's in the natural realm, the stuff that you really would, wouldn't want as part of the fire in order for that fire to be successful, that's not the case here. And two things I want to pull out of this is, one, what you put on the fire, on the altar... God will consume by fire and he will take it all. And Nick pleaded with us last week not to make our surrender and our giving of our all, our our all or our incremental all, um, to make it trite. And so when we, whatever we put on the altar, God will take it all. 
Secondly, what I find fascinating is, is that you could put something on the altar that you think, God, this, like, I'm going to literally put it all on the altar, and then there's some stuff on there that really would make what I'm offering to you just really not very good. Does that make sense? Like, that, that water should have caused that sacrifice to not be able to be consumed by fire right? And in as much as, yes, it absolutely made clear in that moment that the Lord is God, it also shows us that whatever we put on the altar, whatever stuff, however, like, however manky, however, however much we look at it and we think, God, I, like, I cannot see how you could possibly want to receive that as like a sacrifice but I'm just going to put it there anyway God's saying whatever you put on the altar I will consume it and I will consume it by fire because he is a holy God and he is jealous for us and his fire is a is a jealous holy fire where he is saying to us will you let me consume you Will you let me consume you? I think sometimes we... I think sometimes we are pretty afraid to respond to an invitation like that because we know that what it may require of us May, mean, may not look very dignified, may not look very pretty. I think we're afraid that we're going to lose control. Yeah? I think we're afraid that we're going to lose control. And so we'll only give God the little bit that means that we still stay in control. But the wonderful thing about the consuming fire of God is that when you're consumed, you actually don't even care anymore about all of that other stuff. Because actually... What's happened, what happens in that moment is, is that the fire of God consuming you ends up displacing all of those other things that have become important to you. Your dignity, your control, what you look like in the moment that God is consuming you. <laughs> the number of people who I have talked to who have said to me, yeah, I won't come up to the front because to you know, within a, a Sunday setting, I won't come up to the front um, to be prayed for because I might cry and I don't do crying. So I'm just not gonna, I'm just, I'm just not. And I think the heart of God breaks that we would, we would put in front of him 
the prize of our dignity and the prize of our appearance and the prize of our sense of control and that we would prize that, we would hold that as more important than all of his benefits. And I sense an encouragement from God today to put those things onto the, onto the altar. Now, we, we don't have, like, altars nowadays. But there is, well, <laughs> but there is, a, there is a moment where you, where I think God is inviting us to say, okay, God, I am going to choose to prize everything that you have for me over my dignity, over my appearance, over my fear of losing control. Because our hunger, there is, a, there is a, like a depth of our hunger that the Spirit of God is responding to, where our hunger is saying, God, I want more of you. And God's saying, I want more of you too. I want more of you too. So that means that there are things that we need, we need to lay down and we need to keep laying down. For me, I'm finding those, those two idols, the fear of man and perfectionism, there is, I mean, quite frankly, if there could be like a, an encounter moment where both of those are dealt with, wonderful. Like, I have it. <laughs> um, and... There is, a, there is a process where when you give God your yes, God's like, okay, okay. And what ends up happening is, is that you end up facing situations that where, you're, where the thing that you have, have held dear starts to come up to the forefront. So for me, fear of man, you... Uh, you know, having conversations when people misunderstand you. Where people start, potentially, start thinking ill of you or thinking you are somebody you're not. And honestly, like for me, that, that resounds in my body is anxiety. And ever since I said, I gave God my yes... Again, it's not, you, it's, you can't give a trite yes. It needs to be a yes. And God's like, okay, I'll take it. Ever since then, there have been situations week in, week out, where I'm like, oh, flip, it's that fear of man again. Okay. I choose you, God. And this thing about the, the not taking our... Our yes of God, our yes to God, not taking the thing that we are surrendering to God as trite. This is all to do with how God is restoring the fear of the Lord to the church. The fear of the Lord is not a fear because somehow He is a, a, abusive or horrendous or anything like that. It is the. It is an awe in, in the power and the authority and the glory of who God is. He is restoring that to us as a church where we have, we have made, 
where we have made walking with him too easy. And he's restoring that fear to us. And that fear, actually, I think, will often look like a, oh, wow, God, you are serious about me. You are serious about this. His love for us, his jealousy for us is a big deal. It's a big deal. And he's saying, will you, will you let me be jealous for you? And will you respond to my jealousy and rush towards me? Every idol or thing that we have placed high in our lives over and above God and, and all of his benefits and all of who he is, it cannot stay standing in the presence of God. It cannot stay standing. There is a, um, I, I can't remember where it is right now, but kind of probably around the Kings, Judges section of the Bible, where um, the, it might be earlier than that, where the, um, the, the Ark of God um, was taken by a group of people called the Philistines who were like Israel's enemy, and it was taken into their temple and placed in front of, in front of an, an idol, like a very tall idol. And over the course of three days, every morning, the Philistines woke up and got into that temple. That idol was face down in front of the altar of God. And they'd pick the idol back up and put it on its pedestal again. Following morning, wake up, back into the temple. The idol, down, face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Same again, pop it back up on its pedestal. We keep doing this, right? We keep putting the things, we're like, here you go, God. And then we're like, oh no, I'm going to put it back up again. The third morning, the Philistines went into the temple and they found their idol face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God. This time, it had been dismembered. God's work in us is something that he is highly committed to and he is not going to stop until he has all of us. And no matter how many times we can take something that we've given to God and we've surrendered and pick it back up and put it on its pedestal, he's still going to be saying, that thing needs to be faced down to me. Can we stand... Thanks, Chris. There has been such a weighty sense of God's presence among us. This morning, he just, he, he just, he loves, he loves us. He loves to be with us. He loves to be with you. And he is he is so passionate for us. He is so jealous for us. In the same way that we're in a similar way. You can never, it's never a, you can never fully equate who God is with, with like humanity. But in a similar way that 
if a husband saw his wife being flirted with by another man, he would be jealous for her. Does that make sense? Like that is a rise of like a, like almost like, it's like an indignation of like, whoa, she, she is mine. She has given herself to me. I've given myself to her. No, 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 no. You don't get to talk to her like that. You don't get to take her away from me. That is the jealousy of God. And I'm going to say again what I said earlier, what we are jealous of, what we are jealous of, and what we are fearful of often reveals an idol in our lives that we need to bring under God's authority. And we don't have like an altar, uh, but we have a space here. We love, we love a bit of symbolism, right? It really helps. <laughs> um, I want to invite those of you, you who, do you know what? Even if, you, even if you're like, I can't even think of what, is in the way and is an idol between me and God, but I can just sense like the Holy Spirit on me. I just want to invite you to come up to the front into this space right now. Awesome. I'm going to keep talking, but keep coming. Um, like, come on right up, just like in, come on down here so that we can just make plenty of room. And for some of you, as I've been talking and I've, and I've mentioned those two idols for me that God is dealing with at the moment, fear of man and perfectionism, you have, uh, God's been speaking to you about the thing that holds you back, that you have placed above the benefits that you know in your head are so worth it but the fear of what that's going to cost you is, ho- is holding you back. And if that's you, come on down. If you guys just want to kind of take a, like a foot forward, amazing. And for those of you who have come, I'm not gonna, we're not going to ask people to pray for you, Okay. sometimes that, like that that is really helpful we love to come alongside people and to stand with people and to pray for and to prophesy over i have sensed that this is a moment for between you and god business between you and god because in this moment god wants to dethrone the things that you have placed above him that he is saying that's just not worth it It's just not worth it. It's never going to satisfy you like I will. In fact, it's holding you back from experiencing everything that I want to give you. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're just going to wait, okay? Father God... I thank you that you are a holy God. You are a holy God. You are an all-consuming fire. And I thank you that you are so jealous for us. 
Your love is deep and it is wide. And God, we confess to you where we have enthroned other things above you. And we ask you now, Father God, that you would come with consuming fire and you would come now and dethrone those things in our lives that we have held more dear than knowing you and experiencing you. So I ask you now, Holy Spirit, would your fire come? Would your fire come and rest on us, on these people here at the front? Would your fire come? Would you keep restoring the fear of the Lord to us? Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to wait. And while we wait, you just bring to God the thing. that you want to talk to him about. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of you might be um, experiencing almost like a sensation of heat on you. And if that's you, that is God. And just, just, just surrender to it. Just surrender to him. Thank you. If you feel nothing, that's okay too. just sense a, like a reminder for those of you who uh, could be hearing this as a as like a sense of right now everything like I need to bring everything and God you've got to deal with everything and just to remind you that yes he does want to deal with everything and often he will just deal with one at a time. He's, he's not in a rush, but he just wants your yes. He's not in a rush. He just wants your yes. So if you're overwhelmed by like all the things, just receive his peace and his love for you now.
Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.